Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast... It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review, and hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 253, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Oh, we've got a lot. We've got some Mavs thoughts on a big trade for the Dallas Mavericks a week ahead of the NBA draft. Some stories in the block, including my visits to the doctor. We've got perhaps what we all wanted, more touches for Tony Pollard. Maybe. And whispers from the star. It's all happening. And it'll all be on this version. But before we get into that, as we return from a couple of days off, well, I guess technically by the time most people listen to this, it's been a full week since you last heard from us. But we did take some time off. So I was in Dallas, didn't want to travel with all the gear and equipment and whatnot. Not a lot going on anyway, this time of the year. That's why everybody in radio always takes time around Christmas and time in the middle of the summer. And that's what we kind of do on the podcast. But with that said, let's tell you about Greening Law. Because as you know, I've been working with them for the last year. I had my car accident 11 months ago. I actually, by the time many of you listen to this on Friday, I have an appointment with a new doctor. And that was all set up by Greening Law. They're the ones, they, they talk to you. They talk you through the process. They let you know. They listen to what you're saying. And they handle all those things like appointment setting and where do you need to go next? And, hey, let's try over here. And they, they really get to the meat of what's going on with you if you've been hurt in a car accident, if you were injured on the premises of a business. The green team fights for you, man. They really, really do. And they take care of so much stuff. They are your fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies. No, and that's why you need to pick up the phone and give them a call. And just tell them your situation, man, because the call is free. I mean, literally, all you have to do is pick up the phone and say, here's my situation, what do you think? And uh, they'll be upfront with you. They'll be straight with you. They'll say, hey, we think it's a good fit, or no, we don't, good luck. But the call doesn't cost you anything. They don't get paid unless you get paid. No fees, no nothing unless you get paid. And so for me, it's a win-win because you never have to wonder if they're grinding for you, if they're working for you, if they're doing everything humanly possible to help you win your case. That's exactly right, man. So pick up the phone. What are you waiting for? 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas, which is where we find those Dallas Mavericks, the NBA draft coming up next week and this is one of those things I mean we all know the NBA draft by now right I would imagine the NBA draft is one of those things it's actually we're recording this on Thursday it's one week from today it's June 23rd and the NBA draft is one of those things where if you don't have a lottery pick you are let's be you're just grasping at straws hoping that some random dude you selected in the back part of the first round turns out to be anything and then it, it, it always happens this way it feels like like, people will go back and and pick and choose, well, yeah, okay, well, this guy was drafted with the 27th overall pick, or this guy was drafted, like Rudy Gobert, for instance, is a 27th overall pick. Well, kick ass. I mean, can you name the few guys who were drafted right around him? You know, like Tim Hardaway Jr. was a 24th <laughs> overall pick. You know, right. and, and we, we're just going to ignore the five or six dudes right ahead of him that nobody's ever heard of and were complete busts. So the reality of it is, I I think a lot of us thought that the Dallas Mavericks might make a move because they had the 26th overall pick 
in this next week's NBA draft. I think a lot of people thought they might do something on draft night, and because you can't trade that pick because of the weird rules of the NBA, you can't trade first-round picks in consecutive years. And so the Mavs have to make that selection. But you can come to an agreement with the team of, we will pick who you want us to pick, and then immediately trade him to you. So technically, the Mavs would draft him, and he'd be a Mav for like 30 seconds or whatever. Well, that's what's happened. And um, I think it's a a good move for the Cowboys. Oh, you got the Cowboys on the brain. (laughs) No, I think it's a good move for the Mavericks, man, because look at what they gave up. Trash, yes. trash, trash, and a giant pile of trash who's a really cool person. Okay, that's that's one way to say it. That's, that's fairly accurate if you take that type of description. Uh, so they're doing all of that, and they're actually getting back a usable part. Um, now, it's, not a, it's a flawed part, but it's a good part. And it clearly makes you better. And the thing, uh, I talked to a couple people about this move, man. And the thing about it is... Uh, now, now, now I'm having my old man moment. I forgot to do his name. Christian Wood, who, yes. for everybody who doesn't know, was an undrafted player. He was with Philadelphia for a while. He's been in Houston with the Rockets the last two seasons. And this past season, one thing that I think everybody can like about Christian Wood is he fills what the Mavs absolutely had to get this offseason that they wouldn't have had money to probably get in free agency, especially if they're going to re-sign Brunson. But this is a guy who has bounced around for a variety of different teams. He finally caught on in Houston. And last season, as a 26-year-old, Christian Wood had 10 rebounds a game and 18 points. He's an 18-10 and 10 guy. The year before for Houston, and this is a dude playing 30 minutes a game, the year before for Houston was a 21-10 and 10 guy. So we are talking about when you give him an opportunity and he plays 30 minutes, he is going to be the best rebounder the Mavs have. And oh, by the way, he's 6'11 and is a career 38% three-point shooter. Yeah, he hit 39% last year and yep. shot like 360 or 70 yep. of them. Uh, so he's poor. He's poor Zingas-like in that way, in which he can stretch the field. I mean, stretch the uh, stretch the court, make you go out there and govern, guard him, and you know, open up stuff for for inside. Uh, now, the flip side is, I think quirky might be the good word. Uh, immature might be another word. Is uh, is I was talking to somebody last night who said always late. Often late. This is a text message this guy sent me. Always late, often lazy, sometimes pops when he doesn't get touches. Not an a-hole necessarily, but definitely not a guy you want on a young team. Mavs know all the flaws. Sweeney coached him in Detroit. They plan to coach him hard. Sweeney uh, is uh, one of Mavericks' assistant coaches. I think he interviewed for the Charlotte job. Uh, He's their defensive mastermind guy. And, uh, you know, he, he coached him in Detroit and apparently, you know, loves the potential. Uh, but, you know, man, you got to be wary of any guy, any player who's averaging a double-double on a bad team. Yeah, you do. And, and again, you have to be wary of any player who has spent Houston's the first team in his career since he came into the league that he has spent more than a single season with. So there is obviously something there. Now, do you want to win or don't you? Because you're going to have an opportunity to do that here. You should be a key part of what the Mavs want to do. But again, this is a dude who came into the league as a 20-year-old, one season in Philadelphia, one season in Charlotte, one season in Milwaukee, one season with the Pelicans, one season in Detroit, two seasons in Houston. Well, he does get around quite a bit. He gets around Uh, quite a bit. And he's also a guy that until the last three years – his max amount of games that he appeared in was 21 when he was 23 years old. I mean, this is a dude his first five seasons or four seasons, I should say, in the NBA, barely got on the floor. And then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, the last three years, some of that being what you're talking about, Jacques, he played for trash teams. He played in Detroit, played 21 minutes a game. Detroit sucks. He played in Houston the last two years, averaging 30, 32 minutes a game. Houston sucks. Yeah, I mean, it just means you just have to be wary of it and understand because you're not going to get those same kinds of touches here. Uh, will you pout if you don't? All, all that kind of stuff. Um, the interesting thing is he's on the last year of his deal. Mm-hmm. As my mama would say, it behooves him to play as well as he can play so he can go get paid. So you should get a guy who's on his best behavior, um, who's who's willing, I mean, who's ready to play his best basketball so, so he can get that lo- lucrative long-term deal that has eluded him 
throughout his career. And, um, you know, it's a good situation for him to do it. Or he might just be another Nerlens Noel. Uh, we'll see. And obviously Noel had like gobs more talent and, and potential than what this kid has. I love this trade and I love this trade for a couple of reasons. You had to get somebody who could do something like this. You have to get somebody who can come in, who can give you some minutes as this guy has been able to do. There should be a role for him with the Mavericks. Now, with a, t- a healthy Tim Hardaway Jr., if, if they're able to re-sign Brunson and Lucas here, he might be the fourth option offensively. He is not a rim protector in the sense of he's not going to, to mess up like a Rudy Gobert or a DeAndre Ayton or something like that. It, and, right. I mean, let's be honest, the Rockets had a god-awful, horrendous defense, and it's not like he's some great defender. But we'll see. I mean, the Mavs have a different different defensive philosophy. Maybe he can come in here and work with Sean Sweeney and, and work with Jason Kidd and figure that out, and, and they open something. Maybe playing with somebody like the likes of Luka Doncic, a light goes off for him, and he starts to see the game or feel the game in a different way. And there's also the you actually get to come over here and play for a winning team after having played for shit teams the past four seasons. <laughs> now, there's not a lot of debate about his talent. It's about is his talent worth all the other stuff? Because uh, the person I was talking to said the Rockets uh, couldn't get any other team to give him a one going all the way back to the trade deadline. Um, now, that being said, the Mavericks look at it like, yo, um, this gives us a chance to get better, gives us a chance to compete, gives us a chance – to add a guy who you would expect to be at least 14 and 10. Like, I think his points will go down being in Dallas, but that doesn't mean his rebounds sure. should have to go down. He'll have all and, the opportunity uh, in the world to rebound. Part. Uh, yeah. the, the question, though, is, I mean, because it's all about championships, really. Okay, they've been to the conference finals. Um, so it's about getting there again and getting to, uh, getting to the NBA finals. Uh, do they have other moves to make? Or is adding him... And uh, getting uh, Hardaway Jr. back is that is that your squad? It might so, be. I don't. I don't know. I mean, again, if if you're trying to go after somebody bigger than him and you're re-signing Brunson, you are moving some. You are making colossal changes to this team. And I wonder, do you want to make colossal changes to a team? that was not that far away last year. Maybe they do, but but you, again, if Tim Hardaway Jr., you'd have to move him. You'd have to get creative with some of the money that that it would take to move pieces around because keep in mind, we're assuming that you re-signed Jalen Brunson. For me, this is a move, and, and this is what I don't understand is I've seen people who were like, oh, I don't like this, or this is a dumb trade, and I thought, my God. They traded Sterling Brown, Trey Burke, Marquise Chris, and Boban who combined average about what this guy averages on his own. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's, there's no good reason not to like the trade just because it gives you a chance. It gives you a guy who has a chance to be successful. None of those other guys are going to be difference makers in any way, shape, or form. This guy could. Um, I don't know the answer to this, but like to me, they could keep what we just said, add this guy, Hardaway Jr.'s back the whole year. They they run their squad back. For the regular season, I don't have any doubts that they win 57 games. It's Is this the kind of squad that when – because playoff basketball is different. Is this the kind of squad that can compete in the playoffs? I don't know. I mean, they competed last year, and they showed they could roll with Phoenix, and then obviously they didn't have what it took, especially on the interior against Golden State. I don't know what the answer is. I I do know that to me, this is a piece that they're going to use and use quite a bit. You know, you look at Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleba who are averaging over 20 minutes a game. I would imagine you're using this guy like that. Brown, Burke, Chris, and and, and Boban are not part of that. They're not part of, of competing in the playoffs or trying to win a championship. And I wasn't kidding. I mean, if you add up the four points those guys gave you and you add up the rebounds, they averaged like 17 and eight. And this dude's coming in. You know, if he can give you 15 and 10, you're going to take that all day long. They needed somebody who could rebound the freaking basketball outside of Luka. And we talked about this when the season ended. The Mavs had for the season, they had three players who averaged over five rebounds a game, and one of those was Luca. One of those is Porzingis, who got traded, and the other one's Kleba, who averaged six. So if nothing else, this dude should come in and 
compete with your point guard to be the leading rebounder on the team, which is a, ne- a necessity for them. Dude, if you just clean the glass, you'd be my best, my best right. friend. So, so if he can add some points to that, then that, that's all better, man. But um, I think it's a move in the right direction. It's a uh, move that helps him compete. And, uh, you know, it's, it, a lot of it's up to, up to him and, you know, how good he wants to be and how committed he is to getting the bag. Yeah, and, and I – look, Boban, I think, is a math favorite. We all loved Boban in that part of it. You're like, oh, that sucks. But you know what we loved about Boban? The goofy commercials, the goofy pregame stuff, and, and watching him kind of run up and down the floor like he's in quicksand during blowouts. I mean, he's not a usable piece. <laughs> he's just not. And so outside of that, I don't think that there's anybody who watches the Mavs play that's that's upset about Sterling Brown, Chris, and Trey Burke. I don't, I don't know why you would be. And the first-round pick, like I said, I mean – yeah, so what? Maybe they just, they. oh, you could have had Rudy Gobert at 26 or 27. Maybe, or you could have had the 90% chance that you're drafting someone who's never going to step foot on the floor for you. I like this trade. I like it a lot. I would not be surprised if more moves are on the way. Nobody saw a move like this coming, and it shows the creativity and the willingness of Nico to make things happen to try and better what this team is. Now, I think that's the key thing, man. Can you shake it up and make something happen, something that makes sense? Uh, you know, we'll see whether it works or not. But when the trade is made, it makes sense. You just don't go, oh, my, what are, what are they doing? So, and, and you give them credit for that, man. It's, um, it's hard to make deals. Um, but, uh, you know, the reviews have been good on this one. And now we'll see um, if they can make it happen. We will see, but Christian Wood is now a Dallas Maverick, and once again, the NBA draft for the Dallas Mavericks is colossally pointless, and nobody will pay attention to it next week. (laughs) But we can tell you what to pay attention to, and that, of course, is Bruce Biltong. I hope that everybody enjoyed our interview with Steve. He's the original brew from Bruce Biltong that was in our last episode. A, A good dude. You know, what an interesting story. A rocket scientist literally working at SpaceX who's just making biltong in his garage for his friends. And he's got this proprietary recipe that he believes in. And so many people started liking it. He launches his company. And you kind of heard the story about him. And and we love it, man. We think it's a great product. We both enjoy biltong. You can get it online at brewsbiltong.com. Use the promo code JAM15 at checkout. J-A-M-15, you'll get 15% off your orders. It's an air-dried meat, traditionally South African, and man, it's 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 just so good because it's tender and it's savory. There's no sugar, there's no artificial ingredients, and it's high in protein, which is stuff that we like. Dude, that's the best thing. You know, we, we both like to work out, and uh, it's a great snack in the middle of the day. Uh, it's a great snack after workout because it's packed with protein, 30 grams, uh, 230 calories, uh, 240 calories for that two ounce pouch, and uh, dude, that that lasts long. It's uh, I I love it. What can I say? Yeah, <laughs> I do too, and I think you guys will as well. And those of you, if if you have not tried it yet. I don't know how I can encourage you more to go to brewsbiltong.com, order your biltong. We both like the sliced probably the best. The slab is really good, too. That's the one that Steve likes a lot. And that slab, when you slice it off, I mean, that's about as good as you can get it. It's vacuum sealed, so it's super fresh. So check them out, man. Brewsbiltong.com, promo code JAM15 at checkout. Also, of course, JR and his crew, the guys over at Freeway Tire Shop, as Jacques can tell you, if you need a mechanic you can trust, if you're like Jacques and you have multiple cars and at some point, multiple times throughout the year, you need work on those cars, you need to go to JR because he'll get you taken care of. Dude, JR is the best, man. Uh, part of it is he used to be in the uh, Home Depot management team where customer service is, uh, you know, one of the things they focus on and emphasize. And so when he started his own business, man, he took some of the same principles. And, you know, I rock with JR, man, for one reason, dog. I can trust him. And I, I don't know much about cars other than put oil in them and put gas in them. And so when it's got a problem, man, I trust him to figure out what the heck it is. In a timely manner. And then I trust them to use quality parts to fix the car. And not everybody does. Don't fool yourself. Not everybody does. And then how about this? This is huge for me, Matt. Can you just charge me a fair price, man? You don't have to get over. Just a fair price, bro. 
you know, labor should not be a million dollars. It just shouldn't be. <laughs> and, then, and then I trust him to stand behind his work. Uh, he does this all the time, man. Doesn't just do it for me because he's my boy. He does for all his customers. So if you're anywhere close to downtown Dallas, uh, and even if you're not, it's worth the drive, man, to get a mechanic you can trust. And that's Freeway Tire and JR. There it is. FreewayTireShop.com. You can request a quote or schedule an appointment. He'll get you set up. So let's take this trip around the block because I recently just got back from a few days in Dallas. And it's funny because, you know, I always I always figure, oh, yeah, I'll get to Dallas and, and, and we'll get together. We'll be able to grab lunch or the, I'll be able to do this or that. And this then you lying to yourself, man. Then you get there and you're like, holy crap. Like I thought I was coming, you know, for some time away. And to be fair, I did get a little bit of that. I will say that on Saturday we got there and we went to Three Nations eighth anniversary party and we went to siren rocks first anniversary party had a great time got to see a lot of people that i know from the beer industry and whatnot in the dfw area that's a lot of fun but then you're coming back saturday night i got to meet my baby niece for the first time oh how was that oh it was great she's a little cutie you know it, it, it's i mean i haven't held a baby since probably maddox was a baby it's not like i just go around like hey you have a baby can i hold it and so it's just, you know, babies are just so small and they're cute. And, and it was nice to be able to spend some time with my brother and his wife and, and my new niece. So that was really cool. And then Sunday, you know, there's just stuff going on. Monday, I have my doctor's appointment. And after that, trying to say hello to a couple of people. Next thing you know, Tuesday is our last day in town. And I'm spending all day with Maddox trying to because that, that, that's the last time I get to see him for a while. So Man, I mean, you just talk about it. It's now check this out, man. Because I'm an old man now, I understand that without you saying it. And so I know that when you come back in, it becomes a whirlwind visit because you're trying to see this person, trying to see that person. I'm just like, ah, you know what? I don't, uh, you know, if if I see him on his way to love, oh, well, you were driving, so yeah, you know, yeah, that's the thing. We were like, driving. Uh, it's going to be a tough thing. So I didn't actually anticipate uh, hanging out with you very much. Yeah, I was but, hoping. I, like, I didn't even think about it because Monday I couldn't eat because I, I had to fast for my doctor's appointment. And then after that, like, by the time we had lunch, it was probably 1.30 in the afternoon. And then Tuesday, just being with Maddox all day and the lady, because Dallas was having a big uh, apparel market. So she was going to that on Tuesday. So I wasn't able to get into Dallas because she, she was there for hours and all that. So... Just uh, it, it's it, it's interesting how four days when you haven't been somewhere that you're from and your family's there and many of your friends are there. It's just it, it's it's wild how quick it goes by and how busy you actually kind of end up being. No, no, I, I know it, man. And uh, so, yeah, I, was, I wasn't tripping by any stretch. Uh, I also knew, unbeknownst to you, probably that uh, for whatever it's worth, uh, I'll probably be in Birmingham for uh, uh, what is it? Swack Media Day next month, and so we'll probably do the show. Or I'll be there for a couple of days, so we'll probably do a show. Maybe uh, there, unless you're out of town. Then. I don't know. <laughs> what, what, when, when's the Swack Media Day? Do you know the dates? I think it's July 21st. Swa uh, oh yes, I will be here. Okay, cool. Because I well, I maybe you got uh, that's SEC Media Days. Well, I knew it was going to be close. Yeah, so because so, I'll be in Atlanta from Sun, I'll be in Atlanta Sunday evening, and then I'll be driving back that Thursday. But I won't right, be I've, back in Birmingham till you know four thirty in the afternoon, and I think that's also the third Thursday in July, which means I have sports trivia at a local brewery here because I've got it tonight. Oh. I'm doing that once a month. Let me see. I, I don't guess, know. I guess we'll figure out the podcast. We, I I'm guess we don't that. have to do our schedule on the show. <laughs> yeah, that is the third Thursday. I know. Well, I'm just saying, yeah, because July 21st, so I will have trivia that night, and I'll be driving back from Atlanta. So that'll be, we'll figure it out. I don't know, but yes. Especially, well, like, if, if you're going to be here Thursday night, then for sure. If you're only going to be here Wednesday night, then I probably won't see you. No, I probably, uh, I think the, I think the SWAC is Thursday, so I'll be there all day Thursday, so we'll just do a late show. Yeah, it's Thursday morning at the Sheraton in downtown Birmingham. Well, that's exciting. Good deal. Yeah, so you have that. And so then one of the other things is I went for my annual physical with my family doctor. And my, like our family knows him really, really well in Rockwall. And, you know, you got to do, he does the testicular cancer check and all that. You drop your pants and you got to cough and you got to do all this. 
And right. so, you know how it is. Like they, they do like they, on a guy, they check you like in three places where you're supposed to, Hey, cough, you know, all right, cough. So he gets over to the other side and he goes cough. And then I see him cock his head and he goes cough again. So I cough again. And then he goes cough again. And I'm like, Oh my God, what, what does this mean? And he goes, yeah, you got a hernia. I've got a hernia. <laughs> really? Yeah. He's probably, you got it from lifting. Uh, I don't know. It, it, like, apparently, this type of hernia can be from a variety of different things. It could be lifting. It could be working out. I mean, it could be a couple of different things. And, you, I mean, I think that we all have heard of a hernia before. Like, we're, we're all yeah. somewhat familiar with a hernia. Like, like, that's not an unfamiliar term. But right. there's three types of hernias. And I believe the one that I have is an inguinal hernia. Ooh. Yes. And so an inguinal hernia, and I'm, I could totally be saying this wrong. It's I-N-G-U-I-N-A-L, is a bulge that occurs in your groin region, the area between the lower part of your abdomen and your thigh. And those are caused by a weakening of the muscles in the lower ab abdomen. And what happens is, literally what happens is, the bulge that it is, is the your intestine pushes through your abdomen your abdominal wall or whatever right and that causes the hernia and causes the bulge and i was like okay well what am i supposed to do about this he's like there's nothing you can do they don't fix themselves he goes if it gets worse or you notice that it's grown or it starts to cause you any pain then you gotta go have surgery like pretty immediately to get it fixed Jeez. And I was like, man, he goes, eventually you'll have to have surgery if, if you want to get it fixed. But, you know, if it's not hurting you and it's not getting any bigger, then it, it's kind of just a, a monitor it situation. Well, damn. I mean, I guess that's good. It doesn't seem to be pressing. Uh, so, hey, were you, I mean, you act like you're surprised. So clearly it doesn't sound like you were feeling it. Well, no, I've, I've had like a bulge in that region. You know, I just didn't think anything of it. And, and, and so like, I don't know, maybe over the last bit, it's gotten worse and to the point where he was able to tell with the check or whatever that he does now. I, I, I don't know what it was, but, you know, just the fact that it was noticeable, you know, you're just kind of like, huh, that's, that's kind of odd, like very interesting. And, and my youngest brother, Mark, had a hernia and had surgery to fix it. And, and this is not an uncommon thing. It's not really a big deal. It's just one of those things that kind of catches you off guard, I think, a little bit. Yeah. No, I mean, anytime, anytime it's not perfect, you're always like, yeah, really? Huh, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and so other than that, I mean, everything's great. You know, I mean, I'm in really good health for the most part. But that's one of those things... You're just like, oh, a hernia, huh? Like, do I have to go have surgery? Do I need to get it now? What do I do now? I don't know. Now, football players play through it all the time. Don't worry about it. No yeah, I mean, that's, you know, since I'm in my <laughs> mid-20s and a professional football player, no big deal whatsoever. So the other thing here for you as we take this trip around the block, and I am stoked to see this because I think if this is true, this will be badass. But reports have surfaced in the last couple of days that Idris Elba is in talks to play James Bond. That would be sweet. And uh, that would be interesting. But this is from something called the like Hollywood. What, uh, what is this called? It's some Hollywood thing that covers comic books and stuff like that through Hollywood. And so they're saying that, they, that he's in talks and that an insider has stated he's long been in talks to play a role in the next era of the story. Talks surrounding him playing the lead have started again as producers realized how popular he would be after carrying out secret market research. And you can say, I mean, because I think that there's a big push to diversify the role of James Bond. And, I mean, if they want to do that, great. But, I, I mean, I just think Idris Elba would be a freaking badass James Bond. Now, here's the question, and you're probably best equipped to answer it. Is it they're replacing 007, who could be anybody, right? Yeah. As opposed to replacing Bond, James Bond. Yeah, they're replacing Daniel Craig. Right. Well, right. I mean, so, you know, but. well, they can do the story however they want because the Daniel Craig movies are viewed as a yes, there he was the next James Bond, but his five movies were, you know, he started out he had just become James Bond and in the end he no longer exists. So, they can go in whatever direction they want to go in with the next Bond movie and whoever it is that plays Bond next, 
The interesting thing is that Idris Elba turns 50 later this year, and he would be, you know, for a guy taking over the role of James Bond, that would be fairly old. Yeah, especially with all that stunt work. But, you know, hey, he's in great shape. He's one of my favorite actors, so, you know, let him go do it. I mean, he would just be, he'd be flat out badass. Now, why do you think so? Just the way he, because I think he's got that sex appeal. He's got a little bit of menacing to him. And for anybody who's ever seen his action movies, the dude can be like a badass action guy. Right? Like he has a level of intimidation in him. I feel like. Yeah. Plus, he's a really good actor. I mean, he might be one of the better actors that's ever played him. Like, you know, Daniel Craig has done some great things, but I don't look at Daniel Craig as some great actor. Even Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan is just like a... You know, Pierce Brosnan, when he was playing Bond, did a bunch of movies where he wore a linen shirt with the top twos unbuttoned, and he just looked like a super rich guy who was almost like a a JFK Jr. type guy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm cool with that. Yeah, so I was trying to think. So I want to say I was just looking at this. I I think the last movie... That James, that Sean Connery played James Bond in was Never Say Never Again. And he would have been 52 years old when he played James Bond. So, you know, right around the time, I mean, if, if they wanted to take it there, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think Idris Elba would be really good, personally. Maybe no, even not. if he just does one movie, can we just let the guy play Bond once? That's how I feel about it. But Idris Elba's been in a lot of good stuff, man. A lot of good stuff. We were just talking about it because remember, obviously, I mean, you know that, but he played Stringer Bell and how great he was in that role. Right, right. You know, and you look at it, he's been, it feels like the stuff that he has done in recent years, there's a little bit more action element to it. Yeah, I think he's branching out a little bit. You know, because he's done a bunch of different stuff, and he's done, you know, a Suicide Squad. I don't know if you saw that, but he was in that, and he was pretty good. He did. He played uh, Fast and the Furious. He was one of the characters in, in Fast and the Furious. He was in Thor Ragnarok and Avengers Affinity War. You know, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He was in Star Trek Beyond. And then you look at some of the things that he has done just throughout his career. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It seems like he, he would fit that role really well, and I think could uh, pull it off pretty well. I would personally, just in my opinion. I'd be thrilled to see it. I will say that it. I don't know if it'll happen. It may be tonight, and if it's not tonight, it'll be tomorrow night. I'm finally going to get to watch the boys, and so on our ne- next podcast episode, hopefully we'll be able to share whatever it is that I'm supposed to see in the first 10 minutes of this season <laughs> that people are freaking out about. Hopefully I will be w- able to talk about that very, very soon. Well, you can't miss it. So That's hey. what I've heard. That's what I've heard. <laughs> And nobody's seen, I will appreciate this because I have, nobody on Twitter has ruined it for me. And one of the dudes at the radio station watches it, and he also has not ruined it for me, but it has raised my level of expectations that I don't know if anything would surprise me at this point based on the reaction of people that I know that have seen it. Like I'm almost, I'm almost expecting something so just like graphically shocking that we've never seen before, Robic. All right, kick ass. That that's worth it. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I liked it for its creativity and ingenuity. Okay. You know, like as much TV as I've watched over the over the years or whatever, I was like, wow, this is truly original. <laughs> okay. That to me was uh, was enough. It was like this is truly original. See, and I'm not going to ask any more questions because I, I mean I don't know if it's a death, if it's a murder, if it's a, a sexual thing, if it's right, right, right. I, I don't know what it is. And so that's what I'm looking forward to is seeing what that is because I've kind of heard that from from other people. Is basically they'll only say is that well you've probably never seen anything quite like this before. Nah, bro. And I'm like, okay, I can't wait for this. I cannot wait for this. So we'll see how it goes. All right, so did you see also just here in the block that apparently there is something called the Emerald Ash Borer that has invaded North Texas 
It is smaller than a penny. It is a beetle. It has killed tens of millions of trees across the United States since it first arrived 20 years ago. And it has now been discovered in Dallas. And they are expecting that 13% of all trees in Dallas are in danger because of this bug. Really? Yeah. How wild is that, man? Dude, what the, where, where did this bug come from? I was trying to see exactly where it originally came from, but it says that every variety of ash faces death within two to three years if left unprotected because of this bug, and that the grand green ash trees that flank the historic sunset end at White Rock Lake that and the perhaps more than one million in the Great Trinity Forest are all in danger of being killed because of this, that they are estimating that as many as 2 million trees around the DFW area could be killed because of this introduction of this new beetle. Jeez. That seems weird, right? It was first, <laughs> it was, it's native what? to Asia, much like the freaking murder hornet and all this other crap. It's a native to Asia, discovered in Michigan in 2002, and showed up in Northeast Texas six years ago, but for the first time ever has now been confirmed in Dallas. Damn. It, I wonder how it got here. I don't know, man. You wonder, like, it must have just, like, attached itself to somebody's luggage or something. It, or, I, I mean, I have no clue. Or, like, some sort of, like, oh, hey, we're shipping this over from Asia to Michigan. Like, maybe a car part or something. And it was in the box. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you know, the next the, the next question is always, how do you get rid of it? Does it have a, uh, does it have, you know, a natural-born predator or, you know, what's the deal? It says that you can, a chemical injection into the trunk of the tree, a tree vaccine, has a great record in curing an already infected ash tree and protecting a healthy one from the beetle. But, again, they say they don't know how many trees are anti-vaxxers and would just rather risk dying. Wow. Yeah, so there's no way to know that. I don't see that it has, there's got to be some sort of natural predator. Like spiders yeah, yeah. and something, I would think yeah, would probably eat I was going to say, some kind of spider or some kind of praying mantis or, you know, something. Yeah, I don't know, but that's wild, man. And it is a tiny, shiny green beetle. Oh, so a shiny green. Yeah. So it ought to be easy to find. No, I mean, it, it looks like, I mean, it's very, very small. I mean, again, it's smaller than a penny, but it, it looks like if you were able to get close enough to where you could see one that you'd be able to pick up, there it is right there. All right. Now, how does it do its damage? It just eats the leaves? It eats the roots? Yeah, I guess so. Sounds like it. I mean, it just gets in there, and they just they, they bore into the tree, and they just kill the thing. Man, that sucks. I was going to say, it's always something, bro. Yeah, and they say that signs of an emerald ash borer infestation, dead branches at the top of the tree, loofy shoots sprouting from the trunk, bark splitting to expose larval galleries. And that if you believe you have an infected tree, you can contact a tree expert. Inoculations, those vaccines, can protect up to two years but cost at least $150 per tree. That's pretty expensive, bro. Yeah, that is, man. So just something to keep an eye on if you've got some ash trees on your property. Well, sorry, man. So as pray we continue, them. yeah, pray for those trees. And hopefully your your tree's not an anti-vaxxer because that, that just create all kinds of problems. <laughs> it might rustle even more in the wind. I'm not taking that. Let the ash borer get me. Who knows? <laughs> all right, as we continue here, let's tell you about our friends at Smokey John's Barbecue. Juan and Brent and the brothers that own Smokey John's. We had Juan on the podcast not that long ago, and, and what a great conversation we had with him. We always tell you guys about the Jam Session Bowl, and then today, and this happens from time to time, we get yet another deliciously posed picture of the Jam Session Bowl from Donovan Ellis. He says, this is just ridiculous. I'm officially a believer. Went with a coworker not from the area. He wanted the brisket until I ordered the bowl. He was mad because he didn't originally see it on the menu. <laughs> I, I laughed and felt entitled. <laughs> and they both got the jam session bowl. And he's got a great picture of it. 
And again, it's your choice, made from scratch, mashed potatoes or mac and cheese, topped with your choice of two different meats. Looks like he got some chopped brisket here and some of the sausage. And then they'll top it with bacon bits, cheddar, sour cream, chives, all the good stuff that you like all in one jam session bowl and he's right it's not on the menu if you don't listen to the jam session podcast or if you don't tell your friends you would have no idea that this is even a menu option for you to enjoy bro jam session bowl rocks Uh, i'm glad they were able to enjoy enjoy it i'll be impressed to know if they finished it uh in that one sitting or if they had to take it home and uh and 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 take care of it around too but uh nah man jam session bowl is fantastic Brent and Wine are fantastic. Uh, you know, they, they're everywhere, man. They're on all kind of TV, everywhere you can look at for them. Uh, and, hey, if you're not in Dallas and you want to taste the Smokey Johns, all you got to go do is go to the website, man. SmokeyJohns.com. Click on Marketplace. You can get the rub there. You can get the sauce there, which Matt uh, has been known to drink by the gallon. Mm-hmm. It's all fantastic. You can have Smokey Johns in your home in a couple of days. That's right, man. And it's funny because... So one of our other listeners, Victor Hernandez, had tweeted at Donovan and asked him, I hear about that every episode. I want to make a trip so bad to see what it's all about because he lives out in El Paso. And Donovan responded to him and said, yes, this is the bowl. Honestly, anything I say doesn't come close to how incredibly good this is. There is no way one person could sit down and eat the whole bowl for the amount of food. The price is mind blowing, worth the trip, in my opinion. Those are the words of Donovan. That's not even Jacques and I telling you about this. No. Although we told you the same thing, but hey. Pretty much. Take our word for it. Yeah. If you don't want to take our word for it, take the word of a variety of y'all that have had it and tried it and loved it. Smokey John's Barbecue right there off Mockingbird, just north of downtown Dallas. Also, of course, HFX Foundation Repair. As always, reminding you, if you've noticed some cracks, some sticking doors, soil washout, all those types of things. Really, your first call, like, don't even call your significant other and be like, hey, there's a big crack in the ceiling. What should we do? You should just immediately call HFX Foundation Solutions. 817-770-0174. They'll come out. It's a free, no obligation inspection, and they will give you the once over on your property. Even if you are like having drainage issues, because they handle that too. They, they can do drainage and gutter installations and all that. They can help with a variety of needs for your foundation to help protect you for the future, even if you don't have a problem right now. Nah, man, I think what you want to do is have Aaron and his team come over and give your house a once over, man. It's, you know, I'm all about preventative maintenance, man, preventative care. And that's part of what this is, man. You call them up, say, hey, can you come take a look and see what's up? Because the Texas soil is shady, man, and it doesn't take much to have foundation issues. And if you got them, now you got a problem. But if you get Aaron, he can give your house what we like to call lovingly a colonoscopy for your house. He can make sure everything's good. And with that, you get peace of mind. And, bro, if they find something... Huh? The good thing is, typically you find it early before it's had a chance to really create uh, a hold and get and do some damage, and it'll cost you a fraction of what it would if you found it late. And they'll be with you the entire way through. They offer third-party financing if you do have a big issue, so get out ahead of it, man. HFX Foundation Solutions, 817-770-0174, or online at hfxfoundation.com. Okay, we've reached it. Are you ready for it? Hell, I'm trying to get ready for it. I was going to say, do you have your notes? <laughs> do you have what you need? I just pulled them out. Okay. Be- because it is time for that information that you cannot see, hear, or read anywhere else. But right here on Jam Session, Jean-Jacques Taylor presents Whispers from the Star. Now, once again, I'm going to tell y'all. This is a laid-back whispers. The real serious stuff won't start until training camp. Or until the season starts. But uh, until then, we're going with the light-hearted whispers from the start. Because it gives you some insight into the guys. And, uh, you know, a little bit about what they're all about, man. And with that, we start with one, Dak Prescott. So, uh, you know, last week I saw Dak and he's walking through the locker room. I said, hey, dog, I see the four-pack, but you look like you got eight. He's like, yeah, I do, man. I used to have four. Now I got eight. I'm a real man now. I'm getting leaner. I'm getting meaner. And he was laughing the whole time. That's set up the prelude to this week's conversation about should he run more, blah, 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 blah. Uh, we'll see when the season starts. The real intense that conversation, as it usually happens, Matt, 
had had uh, there weren't a lot of reporters around for this one. Mm. Uh, just a few, a handful, uh, who will remain nameless. And here's the conversation. It was started by you know who, none other than one Clarence e. Hill Jr. <laughs> if Steph gets a championship over Boston, and he's got uh, six finals in eight years and all of that. Do you elevate him over LeBron? And Dak looked at him like, dog, are you crazy? No, it's got to be LeBron. And then, and then um, Clarence said, hey, but Steph changed the game. Everybody's shooting threes. And Dak said, no, it's not just about changing the game. LeBron elevated the game. He got the eight straight finals. Who's done that? And so we went back and forth, back and forth. And finally, Dak finally came with it and said there's nothing you could say to make me think lebron is better than steph and then he started laughing and he walked off but now you know <laughs> this is where dak dak rides he rides with uh lebron it's very heated conversation man it's very good though we went we a uh, few of us went back and forth for at least i'm not even exaggerating probably six or seven minutes with dak over who was better lebron or uh steph curry and why you felt a certain way. And it got to the point, because he was talking about three-pointers. This is how engaged Dak was in the conversation, man. Uh, they were talking about the last game, whatever game. Maybe it's the one where Steph had the big game. Dak pulls out his phone, goes to an app, and says, look at this. Look at all these shots they took in the first half. He's got the shot chart for the Celtics and the Warriors on his phone, and he's trying to make his point. That's how passionate he was about this conversation between LeBron James and Steph Curry. Uh, so now we'll get back to football with Dak at a later date. But I thought y'all would like to know, hey, he likes to watch other sports and opine on them as well. You know who is quickly becoming one of my favorite p- people to talk to, man? Hmm. C.D. Lamb. Really? That, that dude is cool, man. He's a young guy. He's um, he's got his head in a in a right spot. I don't know what he'll do as a number one receiver this year, but I hope he has success because he is a quality individual, man. Uh, but here's some insight to him. Well, one thing you should know is uh, the Cowboys. Uh, uh, you know they didn't get a whole lot of work done with the veterans in uh, minicamp this week. Really, one day they got a day off, and then McCarthy let the veterans off today. Just the rookies and young guys were, were out there today. Well, Dak is taking his receivers to uh, Florida. Uh, they'll be in the Fort Lauderdale, Miami area. You know, as I like to say, Fort Lauderdale by day, South Beach by night. But that's just me surmising. I don't know that to be true. But I do know this. Um, I was talking to CD, and uh, somebody said, hey, uh where y'all going and cd said uh you know you know south florida oh south beach huh city looked in like oh no i don't want anything to do with south beach i did that thing one time you can have that too much going on in south beach for me i don't want no part of south beach and then he looked around and said you know what? let me tell y'all something y'all got me messed up and he was laughing when he said it all right he's like i like to chill i like to play video games and be at the house and then he told this story he said let me tell y'all a story man he said my mom called me last year and said where are you i said i'm in fort lauderdale and she's like what are you doing there he said chilling and she goes she knows me so she says so you playing video games and relaxing and he goes yeah she goes cd you could have done that at home you didn't have to go to florida to do that he said no but i want to train the way i want to train with the people i want to train with they're in florida so i'm in florida other than that i'm gonna be at my house playing video games which leads to the what question matt what video games do you enjoy playing see that's why you're my dog man that's why you're my dog (laughs) that's exactly what it leads to and so he said mostly i play sports games yeah i'm big on 2k play a lot of madden a little bit of fifa but uh he's all about sports games and he's all about uh, chilling and relaxing. And then he went into, uh, we had a good football conversation, a college football conversation, um, because um, uh, 
he was talking about Hollywood going from uh, the Baltimore Ravens to uh, the Arizona Cardinals and what kind of impact he thought he'd have there. And then he said, uh, you know, he was really surprised that Lincoln Riley left OU to go to uh, USC. He goes, but when you look at all that money he got and that crib that he's got in uh, California, it's easy to see why he left, man. Um, the other thing is he said uh, he thought that uh, the USC would be considerably better this year because OU has an extremely easy offense to learn. So the offense in Lincoln Riley's taking the USC is extremely easy to learn. They run a handful of plays from a bunch of different formations, and that means it's easy for the players to pick up and hard for the defense. See, man, I told you I was trying to give y'all lighthearted stuff today as we talk about your Dallas Cowboys. Um, there was one more thing I was going to say, man. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, <laughs> here it is. Had a good talk with Zeke about his dogs, man. Zeke has four dogs, but he's down to two at the crib. Ace, I think that's the big Rottweiler, his buddy. Uh, he's living life in the country these days. He's been banned from Frisco. Uh, you know, he had some incident about a year ago, mm. and so he's been kicked out of Frisco, but he's down in the country, living the country life in the Ennis, Waxahachie area. See, you can, this is truly that news you can't see here. We get anywhere but the Jam Session Podcast. Um, he had an English bulldog, but he died a heat stroke a little while ago. Uh, and uh, I said, how did that happen? He said, man, those dogs, uh, they have a poor ventilation because, you know, Zeke loves dogs, so he can go in detail with dogs. He goes, they got a poor ventilation system, and he just got so excited. He got overheated, and he just collapsed. They had a stroke and died. Wow. Uh, he said, that's pretty bad. Uh, so he still got two English Bulldogs, man. He loves them, but he was contemplating getting a little bitty dog. I said, like a chick dog, man? He said, I wouldn't call it that. I said, that's what it sounds like, dog. He said, well, I wouldn't call it that, but just, you know, a little dog. And so I told him the story at the time. That I ran into Jimmy Johnson on uh, the streets of Indianapolis late one night, um, coming from St. Elmo's. I was coming from St. Elmo's, and I saw Jimmy, uh, St. Elmo's famous steakhouse in in uh, Indianapolis. Mm. Jimmy is walking down the street in the dead of night on a cold night with this little dog in his arms called Buttercup. <laughs> and I saw him. I said, "Hey, Coach, how you doing?" I said. That ain't really the kind of dog I have associated with you. He said, I love Buttercup. Buttercup keeps me calm. And uh, he was coaching the Dolphins then. And so uh, it was just funny, man. But I told Zeke that story. And I said, am I going to run into you one day with a little sissy dog named Buttercup? And he said, you might, but you better not say he's that. And I said, all right, dog, it is what it is. And that, my friends, is a very laid-back, soft edition of Whispers, the original Whispers from the start. That news you can't see here, we get anywhere but the Jam Session Podcast. All right. Good stuff, as always, I thought. So I'm curious, because you bring up that you noticed Dak had the eight-pack. And he even talks about being leaner. Did he get into why that is, if, if there's a reason that he wanted to lean out? I think he's, uh, he did talk about it. He says it's really just about trying to be in the best possible shape he could be in. Because, and you know, any, anybody who's done, who's worked out for any, like really worked out trying to change your body or shape your body or whatever, get in good shape, you know, you can be 215 pounds and you can lose like, two pounds and be 213 but you lost a lot of body fat because you cleaned up your diet and leaned out and you can look completely different that's really what he is his weight isn't really any different but he's his body fat has dropped which is why his abs are popping and that's made him more flexible and leaner and a little quicker a little faster uh although i take it back i think he said he was the same speed but if you look if you are leaner you're going to be a little quicker um and so i think it's all about being the best version of yourself so you can play your best football, whatever that is. Um, and I think that's what, what he's all about right now. But he looks fantastic. Like, literally, he looks fantastic. Uh, Zeke looks fantastic. Zeke's got a six-pack. Uh, there ain't nobody fat on him, bro. Uh, so they're both in really good shape. 
And, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to see what they can do this year. Yeah, because it kind of leads to the idea of, of you wonder, it, would, would he be more comfortable moving? And, and there was an article that came out talking about how it sounds like they want to try to create more opportunities with Dak to throw on the run. And because he's so good at it. I mean, he excels when being on the move and throwing the football. And, and I think a lot of us have wondered, I mean, is do you think we'll ever see a Dak Prescott that – I mean, for his career, and he's been the starting quarterback for six full seasons now for the Dallas Cowboys, barring, I guess, the one where he only had the five games before injury. But his career, he attempts three, four rushes a game. Do you think it ever becomes more than that? Um, I wouldn't think so, but here's what I think. Like, he was clearly hesitant about when to run and when to be in the pocket last year. If he has more confidence in his body – and in his ability to move, perhaps he'll be more decisive. If he's more decisive, then he'll make better plays. Uh, you know, he's always been elusive. He's always been a guy who could run and who was a weapon as a runner. Um, you know, maybe you can bring the zone read back inside the goal line. I mean, inside the 10-yard line and create some opportunities. Maybe on third and three, now he can do that. And he can go run and get a first down and get out of bounds and get down. So it, to me, it's all those little bitty things, not necessarily, you know, real, yeah. you know, he ain't Josh Allen. No, but no. He should be able to hurt you uh, once or twice a game if you get too far upfield. Yeah, that's one of those things. I mean, even last year, you look at it, obviously coming off the injury, his fewest full season rushes of his career, which is 48, only ran for 146 yards a little bit different. I mean, that's only nine yards a game where for his career, he, was, he had been coming into last season. He was averaging about 18 yards per game. So that was cut in half. And you kind of wonder if that was maybe a mental thing. And perhaps we'll see a little bit more of him and some of the effectiveness. Because there are times like you're talking about where he can be in a, a very effective runner when he uses that in the right moments. Oh, no doubt about it, man. We've seen him, you know, get 20, 15, 20 yards yeah. several times. Um, you know, he's, he's, a, uh, he's been a good escape artist. Um, his legs is part of his game. I mean, that's part of what made him Dak. Uh, go back and look at some of his Mississippi State stuff, especially that run against LSU, and just go, wow. Mm. You know, so he's, he's been capable, and I think he's just a better player if that's an element of his game that he uses. And the other thing that we wanted to get into here, and, and I think this is something, and again, it, it's another one of those, he's going into his fourth year, his final year of his contract, we always hear about this. I mean, you and I have been doing shows together for four years now or whatever it's been, and it, it seems like nonstop every time we get to Cowboy season, more Tony Pollard. Oh, Zeke's done. Zeke can't figure it out. More Tony Pollard. Last year was Zeke dealing with a lot of injuries during the season. We did get to see more Tony Pollard. He had a career-high 169 touches. That was still 115 fewer than Zeke, who led the team with 284, but it's an interesting role for Tony Pollard. And now there's no Amari Cooper and, and all the touches that he had and the targets that, that went to Amari Cooper. But how much of a bigger role do you think they can give Tony Pollard? That's always the interesting question. Um, I just say you got to figure out a way to put the ball in his hands because look at the guys on the team. You score points in the NFL with big plays. All right, that's just the way it is. It's the way it's always been. Talk to any coach. That's why they're all about explosive plays. He's probably your most explosive player on offense. If he's not, then it's CeeDee Lamb and then him. And so if he and so if he's your second most explosive player, bro, you just gotta figure out a way to get him the ball because he can make big plays. Big plays lead to points. Um, I think he had four runs of uh twenty yards or more last year, including three of more than thirty. Um you know, he's had six plays of more than 20 yards last year. He had 17 runs of 10 yards or more. But look at the number of carries he has. I mean, so he's hitting big plays at a real high rate. And that's a guy you need to have who needs the ball in his hands. Now, they've been he's been going back and forth between the wide receiver room and the running back room. Mm. Uh, he's been in a slot some, and that's cool. Whatever you got to do to get him the ball, man. And here's something for you to chew on, man. Don't forget. In uh, 2016 and 2017, I believe it was, Mike McCarthy had Ty Montgomery uh, for the Packers. Yeah. Ty Montgomery wore number 88 and ran the ball. Why? Because he was a wide receiver who played running back. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by what they do. Because by all accounts, and, and we've heard this before, that Zeke's in great shape and whatnot. I thought he was fantastic early last year until he got hurt. 
and obviously he wasn't the same running back, and they started using Tony Pollard more. It's it's really interesting when you look at this because if Kellen Moore is this offensive genius that supposedly he is, is and you've got like last year there were 917 total touches. So let's say it's between 900 and 1,000 total touches in 17 games. How many of those do you want Tony Pollard to get? Because last year he was about 18%. Even if you bump him up 2%, is that creating more opportunities for him to perhaps give you an explosive play if he's getting 20% of the touches? I think so. Um, You know, some of it is putting him in the right position uh, where he, he has a matchup advantage. And, you know, taking, you know, taking advantage of all those types of opportunities. It's what we're talking about is, is what we're, we're always talking about when it comes to, to Kellen Moore, man. It's can you be creative? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's your whole deal. I mean, that's really why you were hired is can you be creative? So what do you have last year? 169 touches yep. in uh, 16 games. So, you know, that's 10 touches a game. If you could get them up to 12 or 13. That would be uh, really, really good. Uh, but to do that, man, you got to come in and say, this is what we want to do. This is what we're going to do. Yeah, and, and I think that that has to be the sustained effort. And I think sometimes, and, and we've had these conversations from week to week, even during the season, where we wonder, is this like a time where Mike McCarthy goes, hey, Kellen, let, let, let's get the ball. Let, let's try to get Pollard here. Let, let, let's call something for Pollard. Or, you know, vice versa, hey, let's, Let's get Zeke going here. Let's, hey, keep in mind, we've thrown it so many times in a row. We've run it so many times in a row. Or the frustration of sometimes on these within the 10-yard line, hey, let's try some of these types of things that you kind of wonder if, if McCarthy will have more of a hands-on role with helping the play calling this year, perhaps. Uh, maybe so, but I get the feeling he's more hands-off. <clears throat> that he spends a week trying to set the tone and trying to figure out what they want to do. And he spends his time talking about, should we go for it on fourth down or let's be more aggressive here or let's go for it. Yeah. I, so we'll see. It, it, it is interesting, especially with the fact that Amari Cooper is not on this offense anymore and accounted for 104 targets. And I wonder with Tony Pollard's 46 targets, I don't know that you're bringing in a, a, a Jalen Tolbert and giving him immediately a huge amount. So it would, it would go to at least think that in the passing game, there is something more for Tony Pollard there. No, I think so. I mean, he's after Gallup, you know, I don't know that James Washington is necessarily yeah. higher than him in the pecking order. Uh, I think it's, it's can you find a good fit and a good way to use him. You know, thank Corderell Patterson, thank Debo Samuel. You know, there are ways that creative people use these guys and maximize their ability, and that's all you're asking uh, Kellen Moore to do with Tony Pollard. Yeah, that's the hope, man, and and that's been the hope it feels like for a while. And and I don't know, maybe this is the year because they got to figure it out. I mean, obviously, we'd like to see them move forward with Tony Pollard, but it, it you you got to have the opportunity and, and figure out how much can we use this guy because he is going to command a chunk of change. I, I kind of think that Tony Pollard's going – some team out there in free agency is going to Christian Kirk the guy, I think, and, and he'll end up getting some ridiculous contract offer. Hmm. Yeah, if they don't uh, put the franchise tag on. Yeah, they, and, and maybe and, they do and, that. And keep him for like $9 million because running backs don't have, a, uh, don't have a big tag. You know, and that's the problem. They could keep him two years and, and, and take his career out to six years, and then what will he be? He'll be 27 years old, and do you want to pay a running back? Yeah, and then you, you know have to mean? wonder. I mean, that's true. I mean, the Cowboys could walk away from Zeke's contract after next year because it, it would only be an $11.8 million dead cap hit, and they'd probably be able to spread that out a couple of years. Man, that's going to be interesting. I mean, right now as it sits, do you think Zeke's on the team in 2023? No. Really? Like, regardless of the season that he has? <clears throat> Say he goes 1,200 yards and looks more like old Zeke. Like, not even rookie season Zeke, but, but you know, he's yeah, healthy I mean, and, and he I, gets back up to 80 yards a game and he's running for, let's say, 2019, 1,300 yards. Yeah, I, I could see it then, but, you know, some of it would be what kind of performance does he have just because, um, you know, we talked about it in the last podcast, lots of running backs have had really, really strong seasons at 27. It's 28 when they fall off a cliff. Mm-hmm. And clearly he's had a lot of pounding, a lot of mileage on his body. And so, yeah, because he's on the contract, yeah, if you want to keep him, you can still keep him. 
before those two really big years hit. Uh, but you know, it's a it's a young man's game. Uh, uh, I'd love to see him here, but it's going to be all about his performance, man, and whether he looks like the dude from the first five games or the dude from the last eleven. Yeah, man, and, and if that's the case, then yeah, I would totally agree. You franchise Tony Pollard, and you move on, and he becomes the new featured number one. You're you're going to get all kinds of touches back in in 2023. That'll be very interesting. Actually, I think you would get. They would pair him with somebody, and he'd get, you know, fifty-five or sixty percent, and the other guy get forty or forty-five percent. Yeah, you bring in some dude like like the Mark Ingram role that is like the between the tackles, like meat yeah. runner. Right, the Marion Barber role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fascinating, man. This is going to be interesting. It always is with the Cowboys, though. There's no, it's never not interesting with the Dallas Cowboys. And that, my know. friends, that's that's a podcast right there. We'll have another one for you coming up, and we'll have to figure that out as well. As how interesting is this? I'm off on Monday because, and I didn't oh, yeah. even, yeah, because it's Juneteenth is Monday, which apparently I didn't know that. Like, I knew they had made it a federal holiday, but I didn't know that that meant that like You're people got off. off. Yeah, yeah, brother. So I'm off black folk, black, on Monday. Black, Black folks been taking it off uh, for years. Yeah, yeah. Now it's a federal <laughs> holiday, which I think last year was the first year it was observed, and this is the second year that it's being observed. But I swear, well, I didn't have this job last year. That's how come I don't remember being off for it. <laughs> That's why. I forgot Hell about that. Yeah. All right, yeah. So we'll figure that out, and I know a lot of people will be off on Monday, so we'll figure out. Again, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Happy Father's Day to my dad, who... Uh, is is wonderful man and, and happy Father's Day to you and your dad and all the dads watching some U.S. Open golf this week or maybe just getting together with the family celebrating Father's Day however it is I hope everybody has a great one and enjoys it thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast of course you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.